past that. <laughs> and you need the belly dancer symbols, like the things they put on there. Tink, 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 tink. Maybe I'm going to belly dance one time. <laughs> That's a lot of dancing. <laughs> That's a lot of belly. Aww. We've missed you, if you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, my we, goodness. We had so it's been much forever. We had so much fun before we started Boy, recording. It's been a half boom. an hour. Yeah, before we hit record. It's amazing. It's good times. So you've been doing a ton of vacations. Tell us about it. I wish we could air the pre-do talk talk. I kind of do too, but I'm glad we don't. Pre-do talk talk. Uh, we went to a ball game in Balt Timor. Had a delicious hot dog that had crabby stuffs on top of it. It was awesome. Is that when you inhaled the sausage or the shrimp? No, that was... It wasn't shrimp. It was <laughs> Already messed up. <laughs> Get it together, to, Jared. It was a hush puppy, and it had the little white powdered sugar junk on top. It was so good. But Jared, yeah, I inhaled Jared, it and it went in my lungs. I thought Jared's I was going to die. It was like 2 o'clock Jared's in the morning, done. and I thought I was going to have to go to the emergency well, Yeah, he's muting himself. He's done. That's the first thing he's done right in a while. Um, All right, I'm bringing you back. There you go. So we missed you for Memorial Day. We I really, missed you too. We really wanted to try to do an episode about that, but we're going to call this the post memorial episode. Um, On do talk talk. So <laughs> I do want to shout out, and we haven't done this before. Shut Can up. you be serious? Um, we got well, that, a donation from um, Fraser well Marsh Farms. Fraser Marsh Farms. Want to give them a shout out? Shout out. Um, and one of the, and I don't want to go too far into that. the people that work there just yet without their permission. But I know one of the dudes that was listening was an army guy, or he was a he was a marine, and he made the joke. He goes, "The guy that was talking about the military on episode two or three was he in the army?" And I said, "I said, yeah." He goes, "How do you know?" He goes, "Because men from the army are mouth breathers." <laughs> dang dang he said it, that comes from a marine he too, said man. it with That's, love oh jeez, man yeah. wow dude you want to go there so i wanted to throw that out there he's like freaking crown eating maniacs yeah mm, um, love you but back to camera two uh, <laughs> this is a great start um i don't know if i've actually shared this with you guys i almost joined the air force which is the um, I hear the easiest of all the, the branches. Uh, it's the branch that people who make wise decisions in life do. Easy. Um, <laughs> they take care of you. This is true. Um, my cousin, who's always kind of been my role model growing up, so we grew up, I've shared enough, in poverty, very poor. He grew up with a single mom and a brother. It's when, not just about your problems. It's not just about my problems, <laughs> Andy. Uh, we, <laughs> we, I grew up in the same house he grew up that my, my, my papa built. And he uh, went into the Air Force and fare. completely changed his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, makes has a very great job. He's blessed. He serves the Lord. Uh, just, But what his, ex his experience was, uh, was they took care of him, and he got the, one of the best educations I could have heard of. Air Force, you get paid the same amount, and they take care of you better. I knew I made a mistake. I was in Iraq, 2008 time frame. And we always ate in these chow halls, which was like stuff. Like the, our entire unit had dysentery because we were eating um, meat that was left out, like cold cuts left out on a table, and you would just get sick. And then I went to an Air Force DFAC dining facility. Mm -hmm. And I sat down at the table, and I was a private, so like nothing. I sat down at the table, and not only did I have an actual glass plate, like ceramic plate with real forks and knives, but when I was done eating... Somebody came up and said, sir, are you done? I'm like, yes, I am. 
And he said, would you like to take my tray? Uh, yeah, you're going to take my tray for me and turn it in? He's like, absolutely. Blown away. Yeah. Air Force took care of their people. Um, I almost joined, and I want to ask you about your where you came from and why you joined, but I almost joined. I was on a part of the first robotics competition. Hmm. Our sponsor was NASA, and our first competition was in Langley. So we, the Air Force set us up at the Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. And to go into their chow hall, yeah, I want to get the terms right, um, it was the cleanest, coolest, most efficient buffet-looking restaurant I've ever, and it's not a restaurant that I've ever been to. Oh, yeah, it's fancy. The uh, Army, they hate you. They say, hey, here's your beat-up. I'm on uh, Army WTF moments, and they show pictures of like what dudes are eating, and it's like a slap of powdered eggs and a piece of toast that's like in, bit in half. Oh, never and that's forget. no joke. There were these cheeseburgers, and it was just like everything you could think to put on a cheeseburger you could put on your plate, and then there was, they'd have different entrees, and it's like everything you would want to go with that entree was there, and I'm like, I could do this. Yeah, the Air Force is awesome. But then I got the advice from the same guy who went to the Air Force was, um, if you want to speed your life up and mature really fast, go into the services, and if you want to kind of ease into life, go to college. So then, because you're kind of doing it at your own pace instead of somebody else's pace. So tell me, I know where you're from, but tell the viewers where you're from and a little bit about your childhood and upbringing. Hi, my name's Andy. <laughs> I'm born and bred in Western Virginia. West Virginia. Is that close to Richmond? No, it's close to Wheeling. Wheeling? Wheeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from West Virginia. I grew up in a small town. Um, what'd you ask? Uh, that, that was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't know any of that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, the Carlos Pizza is the best. Anybody else? You guys are screwed up. Something that stands out from your childhood growing up in the community that, that you did. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it kind of met the meet it, meet, it, meet it, leave it to beaver type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I walked to my buddy's houses, rode bikes, rode skateboards all over the place, played baseball at the local park. Um, came home when the street lights turned on type of stuff. We were outside playing in the river. Uh, we would blow stuff up because we were so dumb. Fun. Dude, we had a blast. My one buddy had a pool. And in the summertime, it was either hanging out at Chaz's house, swimming in a pool, and then you would get out of the pool, jump on your skateboard, go down to the skate park that we built ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we'd come back, ride bikes on these dirt trails that were near his house, go jump in the river, and then come back and finish off and jump in the pool at the end of the day as a bath. And that was my summer from the age of 11 up until probably 15. Yep. So what, how old were you or when did you decide that, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to join, I'm uh, going to enlist? I was 21-ish. So I had, Okay. I graduated high school and was going to be an architect from the time I was in sixth grade and went to Fairmont State. They didn't have an architecture program, but <laughs> what? Just mute your mic and I'm sit there. more looking at his eyeballs. <laughs> I felt so judged right there. No, it was there. There was, there was some noise that came across the. Yeah, it's like some <laughs> some electronics were happening. Oh, okay. That's what it was. So I went to Fairmont State <laughs> and uh, started my third year. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to do this. I want to work in an office. Now I work in an office. Hint, hint. Um, and I dropped out. And I when I dropped out, I ended up deciding, hey, I'm going to go do this outdoor recreation program uh, at the National Outdoor Leadership School. And I spent six months in South America. And then I came back, and I'm like, dude, I have to pay back $30,000 of loans for this school trip I took. And Holy now cow. what do I do? <laughs> yeah. So I, I came to a point in my life where I'm like, I want to do something that has value. Um, and I went for a job interview 
where I was going to be a counselor for at-risk youths. And then uh, a friend of mine who was dating a recruiter was like, hey, just go hang out. His commander's coming over. He knows you don't want anything to do with the Army, but if you can sit at his desk, it'll make him look good for his boss. And I'm like, cool, I'll go hang out with the guy for a little bit. Like, you're going to do him the favor. Yeah, I was going to do him the favor. He's like, hey, man, let's talk about special forces. I know you just did all this backpacking, rock climbing, all that kind of stuff. He's like, well, the Army does that stuff, too. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And I started looking into it, and I dug into, like, what special operations forces were. And, you know, I'm a hippie, so none of the combat stuff appealed to me. Um, And I really latched onto the idea that the special forces guys were nation builders. Like they would go in, be, if you're going to be, if you're going to fight, you're going to be awesome at it. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. But then their real mission set is to go into uh, host nations and build up an indigenous fighting force. That's what their actual mission set is. But how they were employed during the war for however many years was more direct action kicking dudes in the face type of stuff so it seems like you had more direction uh, a little bit more than i did because i i kind of wanted to uh, sorry i i always wanted to go and join and my motto in life is always if you're going to be a bear be a grizzly so if you're going to do something give it your all that was kind of the mentality so it's like all right i'm gonna i have to make a decision here and i was trying to figure out what to do i was 21 something like that coming up on 21 or 22 and like, I need to do something. And then I did a pros and cons list between the at-risk youth camp and, and doing the Army, and the Army worked out. Yeah. So I joined the Army based off a pros and cons list. So you went into college to be an architect. Yep. Did any of that relay over into your service? I mean, there were times where, like, once you get in, you're just with a bunch of dudes who may or may not know things. Like, I, had a, I was with one guy who had a bachelor's degree in history, another dude who was... Um, a transplant from England and he was working on getting his U.S. citizenship. He also had a bachelor's degree. But mm-hmm. most of the guys were just dudes who graduated high school and were like, yo, I'm going to go shoot somebody in the face. <laughs> That's the mentality we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, so like half the dudes I was deployed with are like, yeah, man, I just want to shoot somebody in the face. Like, oh, okay. America! <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> Don't finish that song. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, like I actually... I had to come to that crossroad and justify, like I was an infantryman. So I had to be like, Oh, well I have to. And I was a saw gunner too. So a squad, a a saw gunner, squad automatic weapon, the freaking M249. Okay. Tell us more about that. It's a (laughs) Belfield. So what's your role? (laughs) Like it's the role of that. So that is, it um, shoots the projectiles very quickly. Think of, I thought you just said yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's a machine gunner. It's a squad level machine gunner. If you play Call of Duty, it's a machine gun. You can play on Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and our squad had nine people in it, and I was the automatic weapon man for my four-man team. Okay. So, you know, whenever we were doing whatever maneuvers, I would be laying down a base of fire or whatever. Hmm. A couple hundred rounds a minute. The thing was awesome. Loved it. It's so much power. <laughs> man, it, was, it, it didn't really have any power, but, man, it was like a – Really high high power BB gun. <laughs> you muted the wrong button. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, so you've enlisted. How long? Where did you go to boot camp at? Uh, Fort Bend, Georgia. First Georgia. time I had grits. That was oh, weird. Grits, grits are so nasty. And collard greens, man. First time. All, both of those foods both are of disgusting. Them. Breakfast. <laughs> Do you eat them now? Yeah, sure. Why not? I don't know. I eat anything do now. Do you guys eat grits? No. See, that's why I like you. People. Cream of wheat, man. Gross. You shut your mouth. Okay. Okay. Let's close it up. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy is our resident bear grills. Yes. Um, 
Hi. So you enlist, you go through boot camp. Um, tell us about life. For someone who's never been to boot camp and only heard stories from or seen stuff on YouTube, what's boot camp actually like? Um, it's 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 close to what the movies portray, but it's much longer. So I, because I was in infantry schoolhouse, we did one station unit training, which meant that not only did I have basic training with drill sergeants, but I had my extended infantry training. So it was like 13 weeks of hell, mm-hmm. um, 13 weeks of them treating you like you're an idiot. Because you, they basically, so you, you've seen the movies where they shave everybody's head and all that kind of junk. Well, what they don't tell you is when you get on the bus at the airport, however, however you get there, they drop you off at this reception facility. Mm-hmm. And people start yelling at you and screaming and making you stand up and stuff. And really, you're not even at basic training at that point. So you this have is, no idea where you got dropped off. You have no idea no where you're going. Nothing. And you're getting screamed at like you're a None child. None clue. You're getting screamed at like you're a child. And then you realize, oh, wait, I'm going to sit here for a week before I actually go to basic. So it's like the administrative and processing before you actually go to basic training. And like you're getting medical work done. You're sitting around and you're learning how to stand at parade rest. So like it's like pre-basic training. So they put you in this room and like. Every time you go stay somewhere, there's bunk beds everywhere, and you've mm-hmm. got rooms full of nothing but bunk beds. At one point, I think I was in a staying in a room in Iraq that probably had like 500 bunk beds in it, just massive wow. area with dudes sleeping and coming and going all hours a day. So, like, the first night, you're laying in this bed, and all of a sudden, there's guys, 3 o'clock in the morning, screaming like, one, two, three, one, like stupid army working out stuff because somebody didn't do something the right way, so they pulled everybody out in the middle of the night. So they start breaking you down to rebuild you from the get-go. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it, but yeah. And that's that's what the doctrinal term is. That we're going to break them down to build them up. In reality, when you go to basic, like they're going to completely decimate you in terms of your idea of depending on yourself. So we're all selfish people. Right. And when you end up joining the military in any capacity, you learn that it's not about me. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that you learn is that it's about the whole. It seems like our country could use a little bit of that retraining. Oh, dude, absolutely. But you learn very quickly that if one person screws up, it's your responsibility. But what about my truth? Dude, don't even get me started. In the services. <laughs> but I have my truth. Yeah. Well, you want to know how to break people from being <laughs> choice word. Um, to be you, a mouth breather? You send them. <laughs> honestly, dude, I, I will hands down put any veteran that has served. 100% respect because at some point they raised their hand and said, I'm willing to do something that is bigger than me and I'm willing to put my life on the line. So what about the ones to be devil's advocate? What about the ones that just do it for the college tuition or the home, the housing? You still have to go through the process and it's right. not worth the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, man. If you join. That's a great phrase. <laughs> I love that. Like if, if your motivation to join the military is just for college, you're missing the point, man. Mm-hmm. And it, even if you do join for that, that's a fringe benefit. But the value you get, man, I learned humility joining the military. I, like my freaking ego was so inflated when I went in there, I had to get put in check. And within I couldn't the first couple imagine of years, what you were like. Oh, I was worse than I am now. Holy cow! It was terrible. But you, <laughs> well, do you like that? <laughs> You're on it tonight. Yes, I knew you did. Um, <laughs> I love. I've missed it. I've missed having you here. I, I just mi- I we've just missed you. You're part of our group, and I can't remember the last episode where we had our legitimate group. It's been a while. It's been a while. Fraser Marsh Farms is going to pull funding if we don't keep the group. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you went through boot camp. What was yep. your first deployment like? Uh, so you, so you go from Georgia to where? I went to Georgia. I went to Airborne School at Fort Boyne, Fort Boyne, Fort Benning, Georgia. 
jumped out of airplanes attached to the plane. (laughs) (laughs) That was cool. And then I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, home of the Airborne. Airborne! Yeah. Um, Thank you for singing this song. Put on your boots, 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 and a pair of... We're all American. Okay, yeah. So, no jokes. You show up to this first unit, and you're like, man, what's the real army like? Yeah. I can keep going, man. No, please. Ignore Jared. (laughs) They're dying. We have no idea why they're laughing. It's probably something Andy said. Um, So, I show up to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and I found out that that's where all the knuckle-dragging maniacs go. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's the army, and then there's Fort Bragg army. So, it's... You make the army dumb even dumber. Okay. Like, okay it's just, it's so much more intense. So that's Knuckle- where like Forrest Gump would have went. No, like, no, not when I say dumb, I mean not dumb in the dumb sense, but like the high speed, we're going to make this as painful as we possibly can. So everything was. But was there a purpose behind it? Absolutely, man. Okay. You want, if you want somebody to win a war, you're going to send the 82nd Airborne in as a big army unit because they're going to, they're going to freaking crush skulls all day long. So they're, they're going to use the Josh motto, salt the earth and. Oh, heck move yeah, on dude. with life. So they breed you in kind of like Marines, something like that. Mm-hmm. There you go, Marine guy. And you're going to say that Marines are better in 80 seconds. So Roger got it. Um, <laughs> Copy that. We're the, gonna, the, he lives in North Carolina. I think we should have him as a call <laughs> if we can set that up. So the, the 82nd mission set is to be able to deploy anywhere worldwide within 18 hours of notification. So they throw a bunch of bubbles on the plane, and with 18 hours of that notification, they can be anywhere in the world jumping out of the airplane. 18 hours. And securing an airfield, yeah. So at any given time, there's one unit that's, like, ready to go. And that's uh, the nickname for the units, America's Honor Guard. So I was part of that. That was cool. Thank you. Yeah. Just hearing that, just hearing that phrasing, America's Honor Guard, how does that not make you pop up? Yeah. Unless you're a left-wing liberal nutcase. But when that, you think back on it, man, it's like, I was a part of something. Like The unit I was a part of jumped into five different places during World War II. The history behind it all, and to know that you're part of that lineage. Did they teach you that history? Oh, actually, yeah. That was a huge part of so it. So what was your first... I'm derailing because that's so fascinating. No, what awesome. was your first history lesson about the 82nd? So walked in and they talk about when you walk on a military post the names of the buildings and the streets and the roads are just all about all the people mm-hmm. that served and were awesome um shoot Audie Murphy Audie Murphy was the actor no uh, well the actor that was the soldier that became the actor who's the most decorated dude yeah. ever was from the 82nd Airborne so uh like we learn about dudes like him and the things that he did and then there's um there's a story of this guy from World War II. I think it was the Battle of the Bulge. Um, and Hitler was pushing back, and there was a tank that came into contact with this paratrooper. And this the tanks are going this way, from away from the bad guys. And there's this, like, gnarly-looking 82nd Airborne dude. And the tanker's like, hey, man, enemy's coming this way. And he looked at the tank guys and like, I'm the 82nd Airborne. Stops right here. And they freaking <laughs> set up a defensive position from that line. I feel like that guy Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dude, like, I'll, I'll send the picture to put because it's like the picture <laughs> of that guy. He's got like two or three knives hanging on his legs, and he just has this gnarly look of "I'm gonna shoot you in the face" type of thing. It's awesome. But at that time, though, and I think that's one of the things. Man, this is really going in a direction I didn't think it was gonna go to. That it never, was a, it never goes it never does. Direction. That's why that's why I love it. That was one of those moments and periods of time to where he loved his country. 
everything that it stood for. Has our country had faults and has it had sins of the past and has it always, has it had a dark side? Absolutely. What country hasn't? What people hasn't had a, something that they maybe wish they would have had a do over or if given enough time and experience, they would critique a little bit and change. But that was a time that almost every person in this nation loved America because of the freedoms and the blessings from the Lord. And there's such a sense of community that we had. And I was listening on YouTube and I got, sometimes I feel like I watch too much negative stuff, but I need to, I feel like I need to be informed so I can combat it. That this guy was being accused of being a right wing extremist. And he wasn't, he was a, he was a liberal, but he was a veteran and had an American flag uh, pin on his jacket and this leftist liberal nut job attacked him to being an extremist because he was a veteran and he served his country. And and so we go from, hey, I'm going toward the danger because I'm serving my country and I love my country and I love America to that if you've done that, you're the bad guy now. So right? I'm I'm an advocate for public service in any capacity because it provides an opportunity for you to realize that you're not the biggest fish in the pond. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing I learned from being a military service. Um, Starship Mm -hmm. Troopers, not the movie, the book, talks about these ideas of taking ownership of our responsibility for the civilization that we have. Uh, great book and for any right wing nut job libertarian freedom fighting American hero yeah uh, America it's I, I can't recommend that you're book the loud one enough. tonight it's not Andy screaming into the mic busting people's eardrums it's you I'm sitting, it's the I'm, quiet one I'm sitting back sorry I touched your computer <laughs> and we're dead now oh. <laughs> I'm like, I would believe it this setup. Oh, here we go. But it, one of the tenets in that book is like, in order, you have to earn the right to vote, so you have to serve in some capacity public service. There you go. I love it. I need to pour a drink while you're in the middle of talking about something. Do you need some water or juice? Oh man. Um, but public service gives you that opportunity. Is that to why you you're, is that why you're still involved in being a city councilman? Um, I like. Is to it take, a city or? a county or it's a community. town it's a wow. level four stage four municipality within the state of west virginia and you've been serving on the council for how long about a year it's further than annie can ever got there it is the one star Wars. <laughs> um we should not so 82nd airborne you're, you were deployed um how many times were you deployed thrice good word usage thank you um where was the second place you went? Afghanistan animation. That had to be fun. And now I'm sorry. Yeah. So many questions. Like it's, <laughs> I wanted, I want to so talk about that, but I also want to talk about your view as a veteran and somebody who's been there about Biden's uh, withdrawal that mm-hmm. I feel was terrible. But tell me about um, your, your time there first. So I, I did Iraq in 2008, 2009 as an infantryman. And then I came back and, uh, the army paid for me to go to school and become an officer. So I went from becoming an infantryman to becoming uh, an aviation officer. So mm-hmm. I went from shooting bullets to flying helicopters to flying airplanes. Did you shoot bullets from your airplane? I, I did not shoot bullets from airplanes. That would have been cool. That, that, that would have been, been a better podcast. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, we talked about trapping some dudes on the nose of it and being like, hey, man, here's your gun. Go to town. Um, so you go from Iraq to, in 2008, 2009, to Afghanistan? Yep. Nope. No. No, I had a break. Okay. I went to Afghanistan in 2014. So I went to flight school and did all that jazz. That long? Flight school was two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I got broke, too. So my my back got jacked up. Uh, I was down for about six months before I could start flight training. And then right as I was finishing, so I flew like the TH-67 Creek, the Bell 206, cute mm-hmm. little guy, awesome helicopter. Sorry, geeked out there. No, and uh, then yeah, I went to flying Blackhawks. Like noises with his. I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm getting comfortable. He, he was settling in. So I flew Blackhawks in flight school, and when I was in the Blackhawks schoolhouse, they were like, "Hey, man, we need a fixed wing guy. Fixed wing. That means an airplane with wings that are fixed. Rotary mm-hmm. wing is a wing that okay. spins around. Helicopter rotary wing. Uh, so my time there got extended because I finished the Blackhawk course, and then I went to the fixed wing course. So I'm qualified in Blackhawks and fixed wing. When's the last time you flew? Mm, it was probably 2021. Was that our? That was right after or right at our trip. That was, was when Ryan scared you. He flew over because we kept you couldn't go on the yeah he he, he you blah, you couldn't go on the trip and we kept listening anytime a plane would go by. <laughs> We're like it's Andy. Is that Andy? <laughs> Man, the f- the funny thing just came. is that the, Andy? Andy. The, the funny thing was Andy. is like. Jets were flying across, and they're like, "Is that Andy?" I said, "Nope, no. No, I'm not that cool." Okay, he's not that good because he he navigated that trip, and it was not the best. It's not as good as a trip you would navigate. I feel like somebody dropped a gun twice. Wasn't me. Twice. <laughs> get, get down with it. I cannot tell you how many times so, I walked around. So, Mister Navigator, did I get anybody lost? Did you die? <laughs> he got you home. We we got home without missing any turns. Yes. I can almost agree to that. Which one did we miss? I missed several turns because there was always a gun pointing back at me <laughs> well, from the my person fault. in front of me because it would randomly fall. You know what? That It's a prime it example. my fault. Because the clip he was using to fasten to his belt is about the quality of this establishment. Ouch. Did you like that? Did you like that? (laughs) He built it by hand too, you jerk. (laughs) It was handmade from my paw. Um, Completely dear. So flight school, Afghanistan. Tell us about Afghanistan. Uh, So it was completely different scenario. Iraq was really hot. That was funny. (laughs) Iraq was really hot. I think it hit a buck 40 one day and my mission set was different. So, I was on the ground doing patrols. I think I did like 200 patrols or something like that throughout the year I was there. In Afghanistan, I was flying collecting intelligence from like 25,000 feet in the sky. So completely different mission set, completely different scenario and environment. Um, I was in a bed every night. I was an aviator, so we had crew rest. If you're flying a multi-million dollar aircraft, they don't want you to wreck it because you weren't sleeping enough. Whereas if you're an infantryman, um, if you... So good. That was a very proper mutage there, Mr. That Richard. was awesome. <laughs> Says the one guy from the one guy that has nothing to contribute. No, that was a good contribution. It was good. That Hilarious. Was, yes. So I'm infantry, you were required to only sleep four hours over like a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not even a real thing that I know of. Um, so you would, went from not sleeping to now I have to sleep. Being and I was sleeping sleep. in a bed. I was getting three hot meals a day in a chow hall. 
and I was hanging out with Air Force dudes. So I was flying joint cockpit with Air Force and Army guys. Which so you really go cool. from the Oregon Trail and dysentery to, <laughs> as soon as he said the dysentery thing, I'm like, listen, kids, Oregon become Trail? a pilot. Your life will be fantastic. Um, now let's talk about the, let's get political. Okay. What are your thoughts on how the Biden administration left Afghanistan? Um, so first off, if I was still in the military, I wouldn't be talking about this. Sure. Commander in chief, Roger, Charlie Mike's respect authority. Chain like of- I'm going, I'm going to go with it. But, um, my opinion, I don't know. I was, what we don't understand is the complex level of decision-making that takes place before something like that happens. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, it's stupid to announce military actions on the freaking news. To be fair, it has been for years. I understand that, but it was the dumbest thing because in military culture, we've got this thing called operational security. You don't talk about what you do. You don't talk about where you're going or what you're doing. You don't post on Facebook or whatever. And then freaking Fox News is like, the U.S. military is going to pull out of Afghanistan on September 1st. Fox News talked about Fight Club. Dude, you don't talk about Fight Club. Don't talk about any of this yeah. stuff. But so, World War II, loose yeah. lips sink ships. Like it, it, That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yes. So basically, they knew what was going on because our culture is just like, let's tell everybody everything all the time. All right, idiots. You've got dudes' boots on the ground. There's bullets flying all over the place. And you just told them what our plans are. So, oh my gosh, guys, look, I did, I had dinner tonight. Look, Insta. Regardless of the way the decision was made, like... <laughs> Where did that come from? That's my question. That's the mentality. That was how I felt when you were talking about the $10 a month for insurance. I'm like, where's that commercial? That was great. He never. What? So we, um, (laughs) what? You went from yes to what? We have a new shirt coming out. Um, Jared going, this was, we'll skip that moment. Uh, (laughs) what? Um, we're like all over the map today. <laughs> all over. That's all right. So, but you're not going to question it. You don't Pack know the squirrels. So <laughs> the, the, here's here's what I do know is that let's America. look back. At, I want, I'll think of a good tangible example. What? Whenever the border situation took place, however many years ago, it's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. You've got a dude who's dedicated 30 years of his life to protecting the borders of the United States, working for Homeland Security. And then you've got every news agency in the country calling into question the decisions that he's making on a day-to-day basis like criticizing every single decision he makes. And that's the narrative. The narrative isn't actually what the story is boots Mm -hmm. on the ground. The narrative is the interpretation by media so that they can sell whatever it is. So I'm using that as an example with the Afghanistan thing, because shoot, Oh, we're going to pull out Afghanistan. I'm going to pull it. It was chaos. The way it went down. I don't know anything about it though. I wasn't boots on the ground. I had buddies who were there. They were flying stuff, flying dudes in and out. And they're like, Hey man, we're pulling out. And it was a last minute thing and they freaking wow. pick dudes up. And I can't imagine what it was like. When I was looking at videos, it looks like Vietnam type. So how, is it, how is it a last minute thing for them? But we, did we know about it before they did? How the crap am I supposed to know? I, I don't involved. know. I'm just so, right. So my, <laughs> but, my head instantly went to when you're, you're talking about just that quick pulling out is did we <laughs> <laughs> no edits. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> All right, so but was there was there any, any somebody like, save this? Was, was there any like technology or or weaponry or anything like that was left? Like how do we? How can we? Well, there were billions. How can we understand? Like they had to lease that. I I don't know the logistics. Here's what you got to understand too: when you move into a house, 
and you live there for 20 years, how much crap do you bring in and out on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. right. All right. Now imagine doing that on a country size scale with, we talked about how many troops were boots on the ground. And that was only like 10% of the total U S population on the ground in Afghanistan. Most of the people in the gr- on the uh, ground in Afghanistan were contractors. It, it, the contract machine is an incredible thing. So like you would go to these places, you would Bagram was like a freaking city. They had concrete roads. They'd shut it down for PT in the morning. People were running around. You were getting yelled at because you didn't have iPro on. Like, stupid stuff. And then there'd be rockets flying in. and be like, oh, man, you got to take cover. Wow. Yeah. It was just, it's crazy. It's surreal. You do, and I'll come back to that. I don't want to derail too far. So from Afghanistan. Now, 32 minutes in. Hey, with you guys over there (laughs) doing God knows what, I think I've kept this... uh, pretty Mate, straight and narrow us we're not doing anything you're talking about ten dollar insurance go ahead <laughs> <laughs> you break me into this you've crossed me <laughs> remember the card game oh i remember the card game all right hey i wore oxygen all day today i'm ready to go do we need to get your machine <laughs> i put it over there because i didn't want the viewers to see it <laughs> we need your way prayers. to give it away so so you don't talk about it when we're oh, recording. Yeah. so kind of like fight club Kind of like Vogue. Um, so you go from yes. Afghanistan to... What? To where? Okay. So you that was your second or third deployment? That was my second deployment. And you you were deployed three times? Thrice. Thrice. What was the final deployment? Afghanistan. So you went back? I went back. Okay. That's what dudes do. Like, the units are in a rotational basis. So you go, they, there's this, we're going to train, build you up for a year or so, and then we're going to deploy you for a year, and then you're going to come back, reset, train, and do it again. And people will move from unit to unit throughout mm-hmm. that time period. Um, so usually you get a little bit of time off, but I, I think I had, I deployed in 2015 for six months and then I was back over there 2017. So two years later I was back over there for a year. This may be a stupid question, but what you just said kind of made me think of it. You get retrained and redeployed. Do you ever get redeployed with the same people or is it your, do you have to learn different personalities and meet new people every time? Yes. And yes. And that's. One of the cool things about the military, the army can pick up thousands of people, dump them in the middle of nowhere, and they can effectively conduct operations within 72 hours. It's absolutely incredible. Everything from That's beans to bullets. That's incredible. You can pick dudes up, drop them in the middle of nowhere, and they can conduct operations just like that. Army and, of one. No, army of all the dudes. Right. Well, but one mindset. Oh, yeah. Like the way that. And the way that's accomplished is standardized communication. So mm-hmm. we, you talk leadership sometimes and I'm starting the civilian jobs and I'm like, dude, you guys don't even like communicate the same way. Emails aren't written in a certain way. There aren't standardized uh, memorandum formats. The army gets things done because no matter where you go, it communicates the same exact way and the expectations are there and everything's tied to some type of doctrine, some type mm-hmm. of something in writing that will say, this is how you do business. And that's the default. I know that process would benefit me, but I've I've always thrived and been more comfortable not preparing for anything. So, And I'm not saying that I've always made the best decisions or things have turned out correctly. You, Excuse me. You, you don't prepare for much. Can we mute? <laughs> no, I, honestly, I don't. Even like growing up, I never did. I was always, I feel more comfortable under pressure. So the difference is, is that when you get put under pressure and you have a plan to fall back to when all crap hits a fan mm-hmm. 
you have something to come back to. So you don't break. You have, you have a baseline. Yeah. It, it's not even so much base or so that you don't break. It's that, hey, we talked about this, and this is what we're doing. And even anybody will tell you as soon as the bullets start flying, every plan goes out the window. Yeah. But because of the way that you train, you come back to those fundamental principles that you you worked on, um, and, and that's how you react to it. We call them battle drills. And in aviation, we would have emergency procedures. So we would train... And we would do the same emergency procedures over again so that they would be rote. You'd be able to crack them out like yeah. that. And, you know, ground guys would call them battle drills. So there's 10 different things. Like if somebody starts shooting at you, here's how you react to it. And we would train to you set up a base of fire. You assault from this direction. So you can apply that as a template over any situation. It's just it's so incredibly simple that it works. It's nuts. But at the same time, all of our adversaries will tell us that the Americans don't stick to their own doctrine, which is what gives us our strength in battle. Because we have the freedom to disobey orders when it makes sense. You just have to justify it. Yeah. If you're the commander boots on the ground, you get to make the decision. And That's interesting. It's it's incredible. We empower you, our ground our, our commanders on the ground more so than any other force on the planet. Uh, that was gonna be my question. Can you think of any other country, China for example, <laughs> who I feel is are probably our biggest threat um, outside of us imploding from within in our own country and these woke do a little Numbskulls. bit. Do a little bit of research on hybrid warfare. Hybrid warfare. Hybrid warfare. It's the act of conducting warfare without conducting warfare, or the act of conducting warfare without shooting bullets. But you don't know that I know that you know that you know that I know. You got it. That I know that you know. That I'm looking at know. it while you're looking at it. it. It was something I studied when I was in my career course. Yeah. Um, but it was just a. It's a really cool concept to look at. I don't know why we invite him. Because <laughs> he's just so cute. <laughs> Maybe it's because we have, maybe we, if we took away a chair, we wouldn't feel obligated to have somebody sit there. That was rude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are all really friends, I promise. I'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> He's really tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, that might have been racist, and I apologize. <laughs> um, so oh, you, that'd be racist. I don't know. I feel like I use an accent, and I'm from the South. so That it, was it, your natural form. You sounded like yes. <laughs> like, um, before we wrap up, can you give us one skill set that you've learned there that you will always use for the rest of your life? Communication. Okay. Simple. Any organization that is an effective organization is an organization that communicates well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's a simple premise of if I'm going to, if I want to communicate with you, I'm going to send you a message. You're going to receive that message, mm-hmm. and you have to acknowledge that in some capacity, and then you have to communicate back to me that you've received that message. It's can can you repeat that again and look at no. the camera real good? Oh, let me get to that camera. All right. Because oh, there you I go. don't know if I, I I don't remember what I said. Nah, it was okay. so good the first time. Yeah. yeah, because like that that's something that every organization <clears throat> needs to know and hear, and they so don't. Here's here's the simplest Wait. way of doing it. When exactly right. Why are you yeah. yelling? Because it's angry. We assume he forgot right. to turn himself up. We, we make so. The, one of the things I love saying is um, "should." That's not a real thing. Should is something that implies that there's assumptions involved. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. yeah, but then when you assume things, it makes an ass out of you and me, because nobody actually knows what's going on. When mm-hmm. you make assumptions, you can't plan against that. So the three-way communication, I think we can do it better. We do it really good in the airplane. Somebody's got to be on the controls. If I'm flying and I have to get up to take a pee, I say, hey, Jared, you have the controls. And Jared will say, copy that. I have the 
I have the controls. I have the controls. And then yes. I will say, you have the controls. That was a positive three-way transfer so, of the so, controls. So if I said what, it probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> what we right, that would be really bad. <laughs> um, what's so interesting about that is how our group communicates. Doesn't sound like it would fit into that train of thought. Dude, we, but, we don't communicate. We don't communicate in an official capacity. We commun- There's different levels of communication. If you're trying to accomplish a goal... That three-way positive communication is critical. That's why in relationships, why we have so many failures because we can't effectively communicate. You don't say what you mean to me in a way that I can understand. And we don't do this back and forth talk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, communication. But isn't that, I mean, honestly, that's Wait, I want to know what that thought was. I want to know the thought. It passed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Like a kidney stone? Ah! Almost. <laughs> there goes the screaming again. It, Sorry, it, it, it had some sarcastic. Sorry, um, I know somebody didn't like the scream. But your sarcasm is so perfect that I never misinterpret it. Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> These people. Um, so communication. Honestly, I think that's one of the things our country's lost. Is one, we don't communicate because we're so wrapped up in our own feelings and. It's not allowed to be a two-way communication anymore. It's not. We have to listen to what this group of people say. And if we have an opinion that disagrees with that group, then we're racist, hateful idiots. See, that's the word. If I disagree with anything you say, I'm full of hate. hate. So Nick just described what it's like being friends with Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making you be my friend. Communication uh, becomes thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Travel around the world back again. We're, we're you know we're gonna not we're gonna get cut for singing that. <laughs> my heart is true. Now he's off pitch. <laughs> um, so communication is a skill. Is there anything you wish or uh, anything you would have been able to do while you were there? I'm not. What do you mean? Not so when you were overseas and you were deployed. Is there any experience that you've always kind of heard about or read about that you're like, man, that would have been cool to kind of be involved in that that yeah. you didn't get to do, or did you get to live your? I mean, dream. Shoot, when you sign up, man, you're you're rolling the dice. You don't know what you're gonna get into. And like, I was boots on the ground in Iraq in 2008, so it was cooling down. Never got shot at once. Put my weapon on fire one time. Never pulled the trigger. Um, and that's okay with me. Yeah. Like that means that somebody didn't die. <laughs> yeah. On on right. one end or the other. And I see on the flip side of that, I've got a really good friend who was in Iraq when Iraq was initial. Yeah. And he says it was like every 20 minutes you were getting shot at at that point when he first went over. Yeah. It, it changed so quick, but re- the cool thing is, is you don't have to be in a firefight to, understand the stressors and the pressures it's there's just so much going on and you know that you're out there doing a job mm-hmm. for one reason or another uh one of some of the most fulfilling stuff i did was when i was flying because we were collecting intelligence we were flying up in the sky making sh- collecting information on the bad guys what nick needs his okay. oxygen okay. so nick forgot to back away from the microphone before burping i didn't burp i don't know what that noise was but it came from inside he needs, he needs his oxygen tube Ooh. so he doesn't make that i don't know 
know what that was. Did you hear that? Yeah. We don't, but you want to keep talking about it? Or? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, me, I'm and, kidding. me and Jared both instantly was like. You and Jared have been that way the whole night. <laughs> you guys have all been that way, man. Me. Yeah, you. You're beautiful. What is that? What is that? Or he does. What did I do? I didn't say anything. Your face did. And for for everybody that is watching, listening, we are not trying to be disrespectful to anyone that's in service or or Andy in particular. Oh, dude, no. We would. This is how we converse. This is what we talk. This is just how. This is how we live. So the the more we do these podcasts, it's like the more of our natural selves come out. Because yeah, like at first it's like. Hello, welcome to Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk. Today we're going to be talking about politics. Do you want me to do the one opening that I messed up? No, no, no. Right no. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get kicked off. I, I, I will let grizzly. you know that, like these dudes, this is what it was like hanging out with all the dudes in GI Joe Land. This is the way we cut up with people. Dudes. Wait, wait, what about GI Jane? The, Did you fight Jane, Cobra? GI Joe, it's all the same. Is it? I mean, anymore. Innies, outies, uppies, downies. I just said that. Innies <laughs> and outies. That's awesome. On uh, this episode of we, Talk, we are we are going to wrap up. And there's if there's two oh, things I can I could say. Geez, One man. is to I love that term when you're in a meeting. Let me piggyback off what Jared said. Um, I've always had such great respect, and one of one of my I don't regret a lot of things, but one of my big regrets is not actually joining the service um i had almost every uncle both grandparents uh my grandpa my papa on my dad's side lied about his age twice in ww2 because he had he i don't know enough of the story if his father had passed away or he just abandoned them that he lied about his age at 16 went to boot camp got found out was kicked out Lied again at almost 17 and a half to 18, got kicked out, and then was finally 18 and went back through boot camp, and he was able to serve in WW2. Um, his reasoning was he wanted to fight Nazis, but he also wanted to provide for his family, and that was the best way at that time in the 40s to do that. And I hear stories about that, and he was a Navy man. Um, but hearing, I only heard him talk about the world World War Two once. But when he did, it's not to the extent that you did, and this is not to take away your experience. No. But I've never had a conversation with somebody who kind of looked off into the distance and was reliving it almost like the first time they've spoke about it. Because what our veterans have done to provide and to secure their freedoms. Um, the only other reference I have that would be greater than that is what Christ did for us. Absolutely. Um, Christ sacrificed himself so that we can have eternal life in heaven because we're going to live eternally somewhere. And once you, once you give your life to the Lord, you've secured life in heaven forever because you're going to live forever regardless. Um, but for someone, regardless of their motivation to serve their country and other people, regardless if it's for college or housing or funding or money or, or, or whatever, and I, I, I just can't express in words, obviously, I'm rambling, how grateful I am for every person who's laced up a pair of service boots. It, it's, it's 
growing up faster. It's it's sacrifice and it's it's service. And Christ was a serving king. He was a servant leader. And all the respect in the world for everything that every member of our military has ever done. And two is there is such, I feel when we talk about this, I feel such a loss of community and country that it almost makes me homesick for what we had. I, I've had uncles that served in Vietnam that got spit on when they came home. We have the stories from WW2 where guys sit on the side of tanks and they can still remember the sound of bullets whizzing by because their job was to defend the tanks so their brothers in arms didn't die. But I can't, again, I can't express and thank every member of the military and service for what you have done for us. So from the bottom of Mountaineer Kingdom, thank you. And, and, your, and, and your family that, that served with you because it's not just you, it's, it's everybody. It's mom, dads, aunts, uncles, it's the entire family. Thanks. I mean, it, it's an honor. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> See how I You're turned welcome. The, no, I mean, um, it oh, is. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's awesome. It's it's honestly, man. I I never thought I would join. When I was in high school, I would be the last person that would have ever joined the military, and then I joined, and man, it just it gives you a sense of purpose. I've been out for two years, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Like, what do I do that makes a difference? Here we go. I say we're wrapping up, but. That, that's almost like people that get released from prison after serving for so long. It's like they're so used to that environment. The structure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have the structure, but even more so, like, my purpose in the business world is to make money. You don't think about money playing G.I. Joe. Like, I had to balance a budget to make sure I had enough money for gas for the aircraft, but my primary focus was mission, people, equipment. How many men served? Like, you were, you were in leadership. Yeah. How many men... Overall, of all the deployments and all of your time there, how many men would you say, men and women, served under you? Mm, collectively? Oh, geez, man. Uh, so the one, I was over about 100 people at one time. Um, the one deployment, I just had a small team of 12 that I was responsible for directly. The second one was about 100 or so that came and get, went. And then uh, I was a commander at one point, so there were 150 soldiers that I signed for. Like, you mm -hmm. literally sign for them. Like, their property, it's weird how it works. But 50 of those dudes were overseas and the other, or maybe it was like 125, but um, <clears throat> that's just a lot. And then I had a small team of like 10. We just had, and, and I'm, we're going to rehear, we're going to prepare for that another podcast. We just had Memorial Day. But when Veterans Day is here, I'd love to have us and several veterans here that we could talk about that because... You've, you've had several hundred people under your authority. And I bet, knowing you and your personality, that you did everything you could to serve your brothers and sisters in arms. Yeah, that was... So I tried all that I could. I'm, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. Amen. Um, and it was all that I could do. I wanted my life to be a reflection of him so that others could see him living through me. That's, And I don't do well at that, but that was the ambition. Um, and I tried to epitomize the ideal of servant leadership. So when people would come, it was like looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. The, the most important thing in my mind was the people. Um, a lot of leaders will have the mission first and they will bowl over their people all day long because mission, 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 mission. You can't do the mission if you don't honor the people that are there. Uh, and my priority was to ensure that my people were taken care of so that we could do the collective mission. And that's another piece that 
you miss is that there's unified effort. We're all working towards something. The, back to the communication piece. For that communication to be effective, we were all unified in the direction we were moving. Mm-hmm. So conflict resolution had to occur because we agreed we needed to go this way. It's just a matter of how to get there. A lot of communication fails because we're trying to go different directions. But within that context, that three-way communication exists and works well because we're all moving the same way. That's been agreed upon. So now you That's don't so have biblical. that. Man. That's so biblical. It's one mind, one accord. And when we're all under <laughs> one mind, one accord with the Holy Spirit leading us, I was just reading in uh, the book of Joshua, which is Joshua. in a weird way. My Other than Peter, Joshua is like my favorite character. No, no joke. That when before they crossed the Jordan River, uh, Joshua lined all of the military men up in battle formation. So in order for them to receive their blessing, they had to get in battle formation. Because what they had to go do, they had to take it. Because the enemy had it, and they were going into enemy land, and seeing you step up like that, it's like one. It's we've been goofy and we've been we've been jokey, but as soon as it gets into something real, it's like no, that's good. Because what the Bible teaches us is if there's going to be a blessing, um, it's not always handed to us. Freedom is not given; freedom is earned, or somebody sacrificed themselves or their lives or their families for it. There is a price for freedom. Freedom isn't free. Um, Blood has always had to cover something. Always. It, it has to. And somebody, there's, somebody is always going to be the jerk. We've talked about the concept of the bully. Somebody has to stand up, punch a bully in the face, or a bully's not going to stop. Right. We have to do that. That's what Christ did. Shoot, he punched Satan in the face. Literally stepped on him. But we have to... Okay. <laughs> This we're going to call this part one. We have to wrap up because we're going to lay hands on our computer and pray for it because yeah. of this establishment and the, the shoddiness of the workmanship. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> you tried how, to close up. I love how serious we are, but I see Nick and I just I gotta no. I gotta take verbal jabs at him. But uh, again, thank every service member. Um, we hope you lasted this long in the, the episode. Um, but uh, thank you. And we, it, I, I don't think that that you guys get veterans get appreciated enough. Nobody else wants to thank their veterans. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> I, I was in agreement, like shaking my head. So he the one yes. time you can't say yes, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, we're we're closing up. Um, okay. Again, thank you, Fraser Marsh Farms. Um, yeah, thank you guys That's for, awesome. for yep. your donation. Yes, thank you. Amazing. Um, Fraser Marsh Farms. One, we tithe every donation we will ever get. We will always do it the biblical way. Um, we will invest in the kingdom, which is the purpose of this podcast. If you have a prayer request, I'm, I'm taking your part. But if you have a prayer request, please let us know. Nick, tell the viewers how we can do that. <laughs> like that. We've actually got some new ways um, that we've been working on here recently. Um, we are now on Facebook, Twitter. Rumble. What else did you start? Like, how do we, how do we do Rumble? Are we on Have MySpace? you done that yet? Uh, we're getting there. <laughs> so we we MySpace. What's MySpace? Rumble? We have <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Ooh, Insta. Rumble, Ooh, YouTube, yeah, and we're, what we're going to do is we're going to let we're going to open up all the avenues and that are already there, and we're going to let the Lord provide because He is our, our, He gives us all the provisions that we need. 
uh, and we put 100% trust and faith in, in, in our Lord. Are we on Wolf? <laughs> so, so my thought was like, what, what's the, that's uh, for Mikey Porter. What's the, what's the profile song you have on MySpace no, for, uh, no. I can tell you what Mountaineer I'm... Kingdom Dude Talks MySpace page. Oh, dude. It's those Japanese guys that wear diapers and are whacking the crap out of the drum. Boom, ba-da, boom, ba-da, boom, boom, boom. That goes I back to episode love, one. I love, love your uh, use of words there. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about MySpace in another episode. But uh, what's the website again? <laughs> Come on. Try. You're on the air. <laughs> okay. No edits. Inner peace. <laughs> we'll do it live. Woosa. Okay. Woosa. Yes. If you would like to catch up, learn more about us, learn more about this podcast, you know how you like how I go right to professional. You can visit us at mkdutalk.com. If you'd like to shoot us an email, you can also do that at mkdutalk at gmail.com. I can continue to be professional. Keep going. It's very, very, because uh, we're about out of time. Mary Kathy Dutalk. Yep. <laughs> that one got me. Seriously, here we go. Just wait. We have legitimately, as you I'm sure have seen today, uh, viewers and listeners, we we legitimately have a good time here at Mountaineer Kingdom Do Talk. We do. We 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 enjoy I, I know we get on here and we talk about stuff, but we legitimately this is legitimate friendships that you're seeing. Are you sure it's legitimate? I mean I'm, I don't know. There's some pretty days, legitimate. There's some days I'd like to punch you right in the throat if I had the energy. Well, maybe if you put your oxygen on, you could have the. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> okay. No. It's like Jared but punching it, it, me it, in the it, knee. In all honesty, you hear us bust on each other, but at the end of the day, this group of guys, uh, and I'm, I know I'm speaking for Ryan as well. We we legitimately pray for each other every single day. We love each other. We do a, a, a lot of stuff together. True. This is a, a band of of brothers right here. Um, talking about like service and stuff like that in the army of God, we are a small little army at here at Mountaineer Kingdom do talk. And I say that to say this, if you legitimately need prayer, if you legitimately need something, reach out to us. We're, we're, we are here for the dudes out there. We, we have a heart. That's why we're doing this for, for men's ministry, because you think about it, the month of June I seen the other day was men's mental health awareness month. I thought it was Pride Month. That's all that you hear that it is, but uh, you I never hear that you. because men are supposed to They've swallow che- it. It's and... Mental Health Month, period. Here we yeah. go again, down that rabbit hole. Anyways. <laughs> thought we were closing. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's all right. I but don't ever talk, but... You never talk. <laughs> so it's been great. For the... Yes, what man, <laughs> Sweat man. For the... No, yes, what man. Oh. Now, because remember, he's what now? You're going to have a t-shirt made, remember? For the mm. welcome back, MK Andy. Mm, yeah. Welcome for the back, buddy. we missed you. Yeah. For the very absent at baseball, the coach Ryan, and of course our host, Mr. Josh. I am Nick for Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk. Real men, manly talk. That has to be.